very fucking unprofessional. Unprofessional as fuck podcast. Boom! Shadow of a doubt, the talk of the town, what your town is talking about. Unprofessional as fuck with your host, Ruck. This is sports show number four. Uh-oh. Hope y'all ready, man. Great weekend for sports. Boxing, UFC. Week two of the NFL action. Two Monday night games. Slit. First and foremost. everybody's doing good hope everybody had a good weekend got to and from where they needed to be safely getting close to the end of the week y'all now begin UFC you know on Mexican Independence Day one time let's clap it up this past Saturday UFC Noche live the T-Bone Bowl Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada hosted a full slate of fights featuring many of the UFC's greatest Mexican fighters. You know, uh, when we talk about wins from Raul Rosas Jr. in the TKO round one, 54 seconds into the fight. Impressive to say the absolute least. You talk about Lupe Gordinez, who ended up defeating Elise Reed by submission with a rear naked choke with 338 left in round two. Also very impressive. It was dope to see, you know, uh, Brandon Moreno inside the, you know, doing the announcing with Cormier and the rest of the crew. I would like to see more of that. I like seeing, uh, you know, just a lot of the vignettes that were done, you know, the, the promotions for the fight and just the in-between featured a lot of the greatest, not only in the sport of MMA, but in boxing and just the fighting legacy of Mexican fighters on in general. And it was dope to see. I think they did a good job with that. Shout out to Dana for doing that. Next time, let's do this event in Mexico, man. Let's, let's make it happen. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. The main event of that event, you know, was uh, Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. That ended in a split decision draw. This, I want to remind y'all, is a rematch of a fight that happened not too far back, but I remember Grasso actually helped me win a parlay, came through, made me a fan that night. Not only because of that, but because of her performance over Valentina to get the title. Um, with this being, you know, the stipulated rematch clause that got back to business, this being a UFC fight night, meaning that it's free, it's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, obviously not free, you pay a subscription price, but it's not a pay-per-view event. Where on top of that, you're spending another $78. This um, 
was the main event. And honestly, I'm not going to lie, man, it really didn't live up to the hype after watching that first fight. The buildup and everything surrounding this, with it being the lead of, you know, this card, kind of uh, underwhelming, especially ending in a draw with no decisive win. Now, is this something that was done to prolong it, make a trilogy out of this? If it is, I think they went about it wrong. It looks a bit forced. I don't know if Dana's going to go that route of, you know, technically there was no decision. So does Shevchenko still have an opportunity at another chance at that title? Are you going to go the route of, you know, she had the second fight and didn't get enough done. So that was it. It'll be interesting to see how that, pay, uh, you know, plays out going forward. Um, but all in all, you know, Grosso can retains her title. We'll live to fight another day as a champion. And uh, got to clap it up for that. I do want to go back to Raul Rosas Jr. and his performance. To, to say it was impressive is an understatement. He went out there and handled business against a fighter that a lot of people probably thought was going to get the better of him. Um, I've seen this guy fight a few times now. Impressed every time. I've seen, you know, different variations of victories. This time it was the first time I've seen it go down, knockout style that, that quickly. Very Tyson-esque. I know that's obviously a different fight, but um, when you think about somebody who made quick work of their opponent, that's the first name that comes to my mind. And, you know, if, if Raul Rosas Jr. is able to continue to do this, hopefully we see him get an opportunity. But the problem and the only knock that I have against, or, you know, not knock, but the one thing that I'm worried about is the fact that Raul Rosas Jr. himself is in the Bantamweight division, such a stack division that it's um, kind of alarming. Let me just go through a little bit of it. Current champion is Sugar Shane O'Malley. Um, very important to note that not only is he the champion right now, but he's highly, you know, pushed for a casual fight fan. That To say pushed is like a lot of money is behind him. A lot of things are predicated on him being a star for not only this division, but for this company as a whole. <clears throat> Some would make the argument that Dana kind of expedited his process to this title fight. Others would say that he he made such an impact on the fans that his draw just made it a no-brainer. To me, I could see both sides of that. I do feel like when you go through some of the names in this division, obviously, you know, I started trying to discuss this on Rosas Jr.'s hype. Like, you know, I want to see him get a shot. But when you think about some of the names in this division, obviously led by the champ O'Malley, you got Aljamain Sterling at, at contender number one. Henry Cejudo's in here. Peter Yan, Dominic Cruz, uh, Umar Nurmagomedov. There's more names I didn't mention, and I don't know if I've seen Sugar Shane go through all these guys. I don't know if he's, you know, going through that gauntlet, and I don't know what they're going to make Raul Rosas Jr. do, but I would like to see the young kid get a shot, put him in there with somebody in that top 15, where regardless of wherever, you know, wherever you feel or see fit. Give him an opportunity. Let's see if he deserves to be in that uh, in that group of men or, or if he's got more work to do. A young kid, you know, we don't want to expedite the process to the point where it hinders his, his performance or his growth, but um, I don't know. He's making quick work of who y'all putting him in front of these days. Let's give him a challenge. That being said, uh, you know, it's still to be decided if he's the real deal. He's got a lot of things he's going to have to do. I know somebody who is the real deal, though. Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Trying to remain objective, y'all. It's not possible, man. He's officially made me a fan of college ball. 
just the vibe, man. What's, what's going on? The realest of deals, Dion, Primetime Sanders. Let me begin by saying to the young folks who may not know who Coach Prime was, he was, you know, as y'all like to say, him. The guy was uh, him dunking. Him Hardaway. Talk about a star in two sports, football and baseball, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson-esque. On top of that, you know, a star for both simultaneously. On, and, and, you know, in the NFL was actually at certain times playing both sides of the ball. <laughs> a receiver as well as a corner. And that's just, and, you know, punt returning. That shit was just insane to see. So, uh, I'm talking about somebody with that caliber of, of cachet and star power and just, you know, polarizing figure as Deion, uh, Deion Sanders is. Now as a coach, let's talk about his career now. Began his career at Jackson State. That's a school in Mississippi at HBCU. Not only did he turn their program around, but turned around the whole entire narrative on, on playing over there in the HBCU teams. You talk about the kids who are the actual catalysts for the success, the people who go out there and get it done. Why not go somewhere where we're not just making the Nick Sabans of the world stars? I know he has a lot to add to a, to a player's uh, development as well. I don't want to ever try to discredit what he does but some of these schools become larger than life off of you know the talent of the players on the field I feel like you know when you when you get a player coach like Deion Sanders I say player coach because not only has he been a player but he's a player's coach as well somebody who's going to understand what these young men are going through and be able to coach them not only in, in the game but in the, in life um, I'll get some more of that later man he turned you know Jackson State program around his three years there, then departed for his current job, now head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. Three weeks into his season, all he does is make history. Three weeks ago, he faces a TCU team that played in the national championship game last year. For those unfamiliar with college football, that is equivalent to the Super Bowl in the NFL. Um, TCU was unsuccessful, however, that's the kind of season they had. While in comparison or contrast, the uh, Colorado Buffaloes went one in eleven prior to Coach Prime getting there and, and you know putting this stamp on the organization. Not only did he bring over certain coaches from his staff, he brought over players and including his son, two of his sons, Shador Sanders, who is the quarterback for the Buffaloes, as well as Shiloh Sanders, who plays safety. Another star player on their team, Travis Hunter, two-way player, just like Coach Prime was in his time, plays receiver and, and the DB. Let's talk about, you know, three weeks ago, that TCU team that they played, they end up getting the victory. It's a, it's a overtime, excuse me. As a 21-point underdogs, they come in and get the upset 45-42. to 42. In week two, Dion's Colorado team played behind the largest home crowd in 15 years. Before beating a highly uh, coveted Nebraska team, 36 to 14. Now you're talking about a Colorado team that that went one and 11 last year, playing prestigious schools, getting shit done in the Pac-12, playing divisions that usually would have their way with them. Pause, and the, and they uh, proved to be the victors in Week Three. Highly contested double overtime thriller, Dion continued his historic career by shattering ESPN's late night college football records when 9.3 billion people tuned in to watch him and his Colorado Buffalo team take on Colorado State. It's not a, 
I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this was an ESPN game that was covered by ESPN Media, who was giving this the ultimate treatment all week long. You see people like uh, The Rock and uh, shit, just name after name, you name it, they were there. From Lil Wayne to uh, Master P, you talk about just some of the some of the you know hip hop legends, along with some of, of, of the sports biggest stars. All the cachet that comes over along with it. But also a lot of shit talk. I guess the opposing coach, the opposing head coach over there at Colorado State was making uh, comments along the lines of, you know, it was classless or, or some some along the way of trying to, you know, throw shade at, at Coach Prom for the fact that when he goes up and does the handshake after beating these coaches, he's not taking off his sunglasses or his hat. First of all, not every person takes off their hat. That's, that's not bullshit. Uh, second of all, don't you know it's just flavor man don't don't be uh don't be afraid of it like let's talk about the glasses he start, started selling those as a, you know as another form of revenue that they're doing great that it's personal hoodies that he's got going on those are going insane so uh let's not only talk about that let's talk about the impact that he's made on, on the sport the eyes being being uh Brought over to college football To the Pac-12 to be exact To Colorado Of all places 9.3 billion viewers On the late night college football game While UFC is on In the main event You know what I mean Like it's uh, something to sneeze at This week You know Before we get to this week's game Let's talk about This Colorado State game Colorado versus Colorado State. There was a lot of shit talk, a back and forth. It led to a scuffle that broke out on the field prior to the game even kicking off. Chippy each way uh, throughout the game. Travis Hunter, that two-way player I told you about who plays for the Colorado Buffaloes, was targeted by a DB of Colorado State. For those unfamiliar with the targeting term, it's equivalent to like a hit on the defensive receiver in the NFL. 15-yard penalty, right? Something, a uh, personal foul. Um... Definitely nothing that you want to see, especially not when it results in the lacerated liver. On top of that, Blackburn stood over the hurt player, you know, turned over, groveling in pain, hit the floor, you know, in frustration, knowing that something was serious. And uh, Blackburn stands over him almost to gloat. I can understand, you know, making the split decision as a DB, looking like a, you know, you got an opportunity to go make a play. Was it needed? Was he, um, I don't know. You know, it, it just seemed like... That was bad enough, but when you stand over, you just add, you know, insult to the to injury, and uh, wasn't taken lightly at all. Since then, the kids received death threats from people around town. Um, Coach Prime himself has come out and talked against that, made a statement saying that he's just a young kid trying to make it. He doesn't want any death threats, any of that type of energy sent that way. Just tried to uh, highlight his team and send love to Travis Hunter, who is now going to be recovering for a few weeks. At the absolute least. Now, let's get back to the positive things. First and foremost, Colorado is going to have a tough ass this week when they go up against Oregon. The Oregon Ducks are that team. You know what I mean? I believe they just beat somebody 82-0 in the past couple of weeks. Um, maybe the most difficult challenge that they're going to have. You know, I know TCU played in the, in the national championship game, but you talk about college football, Oregon Ducks is one of them teams. And uh, I believe it's in Oregon. 
Also going to add to the intensity there. Be some worth watching Saturday at noon. I'm pretty sure it's going to be on Fox. Check your local listings. Don't quote me on that. Colorado merch sales since Coach Dion has been there, 819% up. Last year's average ticket price, $121 under Coach Prime, $517. Keep that shit going. accolades everything we just discussed whether it was his playing career whether it was his coaching career and i still would say that maybe some of the best things that he's done and accomplished is the impact that he's making on these young men's life uh people are coming over not to play for these for these uh for these organizations and these programs but you know they're coming to play for that that man his coaching staff his uh the, his way of thinking you know I, I watched a piece on him on 60 minutes he began his coaching career over there by telling a lot of the people there that they better make room for better players. If they feel like they ain't ready to be, you know, held to the fire and, and you know, put every position offered up to the next person, it's a competition all around. If they're not ready for that, then they could go. Almost talking people into leaving. If he, In his words, he said that if words can get you out of here, then you're not meant to be on my squad to begin with. Um, it's the different types of lessons and the different type of experience that you're going to be learning from that I think is going to be the biggest impact well beyond what he does for schools or financially or, you know, eyes that he brings over. Um, I just want to give it up for Coach Dion, for for uh, the Sanders family, for uh, speedy recovery to Travis Hunt, speedy recovery for Travis Hunter and uh, victory this week against Oregon, man. Let's go. Ready for the NFL action? Gotta get my water in, y'all. Starting off this NFL action with two uh, rookie quarterbacks on their first year campaigns leading their teams. Talk about... uh, Matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. Jordan Love era, like I said, has begun over there in uh, Green Bay. End of the day with 151 yards on 14-25 with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Desmond Ritter finished 19-32, 237 yards, one touchdown, one INT. He is the rookie quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe the deciding factor was the running game from uh, rookie running back Bijan Robinson. 19 carries, 124 yards. Looks like the real deal himself. All in all, despite three touchdowns and zero picks from Jordan Love, they end up falling to the Atlanta Falcons. 25 to 24. Highly contested in a close game. Now Atlanta is 2 0, and Green Bay is falling to 1 1. Can't duck the smoke, man. Raiders at Bills. Let me put you, uh, you know, in my perspective. Start off chilling. Watch this first drive. You see the Raiders on the road in Buffalo, 10 a.m. game. For those that didn't know, they had been staying in Virginia, trying to get acclimated to that time zone. Um, they go over to Buffalo, play the 10 a.m. game as a West Coast team, and uh, start that drive off. Highly successful. You see uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to Devontae Adams touchdown pass. High hopes. Things got ugly pretty quickly. 
I'm gonna say this. It was 7-7 at the end of the first quarter. Things were close. You're like, okay, it's cool. Then the Bills would go on to, you know, a 21-3 run. Holding the Raiders scoreless in the second half. That cannot happen. Jimmy G threw three picks. Yes, I said three picks. Two were recorded. One was dropped. Ended his day 16 of 24, 185 yards, one touchdown. Like I said, two uh, two interceptions that counted, three that were out there for uh, for grabs. Another horrible stat to look at: Josh Jacobs ends the day with negative two yards on nine carries. That's never gonna get it done, my guy. And I'm not gonna say it's 100 percent his fault. As a uh, coach, maybe you got to put in some different thoughts, some different uh, packages. You got a lot of running backs at your disposal we talk about the leads leading Russia last year and Josh Jacobs Zamir White Amir Abdullah <coughs> excuse me even a, a Bolden at your disposal ends up being Trey Tucker our wide receiver on the end of round who ends up leading us in rushing with like 30 yards I believe that can't get it done Jimmy G's uh, not Quick enough getting the ball out, the release is slow. His, his, his progressions that he's going through is not as fast as I would like to see. Uh, I think, you know, when you talk about coming from the Niners, they have weapons, you know, it's too much. There's there's too much of a mismatch that's going to be there somewhere on the field, so someone's going to be blatantly open. Maybe that kind of disguises his ability to get the ball out quickly or inability to, rather. Now, when I look at this shit, you know, me and, me and the homie were watching the game at the at the crib, and he's like, bro, look at him. You know, he's, he's too slow. Everything's, you know, after the fact. Somebody's open. He throws the ball a couple seconds later in the NFL. That cannot be done. Nobody's that open. And uh, that just leads to to indecisiveness, and then you you have interceptions, and you turn the ball over. And last week, he was able to, to get over that hump, but you're playing a horrible Denver defense and a shaky offense as well at that point. They kind of bounce back. We'll get to that later, but... You know, uh, we made Josh Allen look like the second coming after that. He was already facing all the scrutiny from last year, how things ended, and then it carried over to game one. Now, in uh, game two against the Raiders, he goes 31-37, 274 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Bills outrushed the Raiders 183 yards to 55. That's never a winning combination. As a result of this game, both teams are now 1-1. One Talk about a team struggling Let's talk uh, Cincinnati Bengals for a second They hosted the Ravens this week Two weeks in a row Joe Burrow fell to a division rival This time the Baltimore Ravens 27-24 Burrow went 27-41 222 yards, two touchdowns and one pick Lamar Jackson, 24-33, 237, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. When you talk about, you know, passing yards and touchdowns, it's pretty identical. Although there was no interception for Lamar, there was one for Burrow. It's the uh, completion percentage. You talk about 24-33 versus 27-41. And then the rushing yard comparison, again, was one-sided. 178 yards for the Ravens as a collective. Going up against 66 rushing yards for the Bengals. The, the Ravens end up 2-0. Bengals fall to 0-2. It's looking bad out there, man. They got too much talent on, on, on that side of the ball, at least, to not be able to capitalize. Their division's only getting tougher. We'll talk about that going forward as well. Uh, 2-0 Ravens team found a way to make it happen, although last uh, 
Week one wasn't the prettiest for Lamar. He bounces back and has a good game in week two. We'll see what happens. Seahawks Lions 37-31. Seahawks win. You know, really good play on both sides. Quarterback wise, you got Geno Smith going 32 of 41 for 328. Two touchdowns, zero picks. Jared Goff, 28 of 35, 323. Three touchdowns, one interception. Both teams pretty neck and neck when you talk about stat lines as far as passing yards and uh time of possession. Look pretty identical. What turned out to be the deciding factor was the turnover battle. Three takeaways from Seattle. Two fumbles, one recovered in inter- uh excuse me. Two fumbles recovered in one interception. Gotta get cleaner with these notes. No fault. Both teams are now one and one. Talking rookie quarterbacks leading their teams again. We're talking Anthony Richardson versus CJ Stroud. As we're talking Colts and Texans. Star rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson started strong. Three rushes, 35 yards, two touchdowns. Problem is he's a quarterback. He went 6-10 for 56 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, passing the ball before leaving with a concussion on his second TD rush. Uh, His head, you know, smacks against the the floor pretty hard. A whiplash effect of some sort. Um, Gets up looking shaky. Pulled from the game. Luckily, over there as a backup, they have Garden Minshew. He was able to pick up and kicked up 19 of 23, 171 yards, one touchdown. Zach Moss running back for the uh, Indianapolis Colts ended with 18 carries, 88 yards in the tutty. 31-20 win for the Colts. Indy is now 1-1 while Houston falls to 0-2 under C.J. Stroud. We had a rematch from last year's playoffs when the Chiefs traveled over to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars this time. Mahomes went 29-41, 305. Two touchdowns and one pick, while Lawrence was 22 of 41, 216 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Somehow, despite losing the turnover battle 3 to 1 and penalties being as lopsided as 12 to 2, the Chiefs were still somehow able to come out with the victory 17 to 9 on the road. Both teams are now 1 and 1. Bears and Bucks. Baker Mayfield is continuing to prove it. He has the Bucks now at 2-0 after a 27-17 win over the Bears at home. Mayfield himself was 26-34, 317 yards with a touchdown. While Fields, 16-29, 211, one touchdown, two picks. A lot of uh, talk surrounding that Bell, excuse me, that Bears offensive side of the ball. You talk about Justin Fields you now calling out coaching as maybe being the reason why he's looking so bad out there. Khalil Herbert is on my fantasy team and I forgot this week I'm going to forget to put you in you better not go off you motherfucker it's been pretty dormant there I'm going to have to put out a wellness check on my guy Bears fall to 0-2 Baker goes 2-0 Giants Cardinals man tell the two halves highly talked about uh, the, the Giants being blown out last week Dallas beating them 40-0. They were shut out. No points put on the board. Two quarters into this game, one half of the way through, the same remain. Looked really bad for New York. But like I said, the tell of two halves. 
The Cardinals themselves have not been favored to win a single game this season. And, you know, they had a 20-0 lead at halftime. So you talk about a team that was outscored 60-0 in six consecutive quarters when you talk about the Giants. They go inside the locker room for halftime. They come out a different team. Second half, different story. 31-8 point differential led by the greatest comeback I've seen in quite some time. Saquon Barkley would come back, get, get active, score a touchdown. But on that uh, same play, I believe, you know, there was a sprain that went down. Uh, maybe not the same play. Don't quote me on that. But an ordinary ankle sprain that's going to have him sidelined for three weeks. Despite the comeback win, it was kind of marred by that. Now you see a 31-28 Giants victory. 31 unanswered points to come back. Excuse me, 31-8 second half. New York is now 1-1 while Arizona falls to 0-2. Where everybody expected them to be, however, not quite the way they expected it to happen. Moving on, Chargers at Titans. 27-24 Titans win. Close game. Came down to a field goal in overtime, getting Titans the three-point victory. Titans, I believe, are now 1-1 while the Chargers fall to 0-2. 49ers at Rams. Man. Let's just uh, get straight to it. 30-23 victory for the 49ers. However, my major takeaways from this game are, you know, it's going to be tough to beat this Niners team, man. After two weeks, you know, any week, really, two of their uh, wide receivers could go off for 100-plus need be. You know what I mean? George Kittle at the same, at, at the tight end position. Another adaptation of a wide receiver. You talk about a CMC who uh, is good for a buck 20 and a touchdown every game. Also coming out the backfield, catching the ball, making swing passes, turn to uh, long touchdowns. Brock Purdy is not making mistakes, uh, playing mistake-free football. That's all you really need to do over there. Defense is top tier. Let me hop off of this fucking bandwagon for a second. Matthew Stafford played a pretty good game. Just couldn't get it done. He went 34-55 for 307. One touchdown and there were two picks. You know, maybe walk back the, the great game statement. It was, it was a decent game. Uh, another takeaway from this is Puka Nakua Matata. That's what I call him, man. Nakua Matata. Means no worries, man. 15 receptions, 20 targets. That's 15 receptions targeted 20 times. Pretty fucking good, right? 147 yards. Didn't get in the end zone this week, but that will come. This is off of him being questionable coming into the week. Great performance. When you talk about two weeks, his reception total hasn't been pretty high company. Go do the research on that. I don't want to misquote it. He's breaking records, though, man. Uh, and, you know, Matthew Stafford's got some pretty dope skill players. Cup returns soon enough. It could be real competition. It was a 30 to 23 loss. Noah Chumps going against the 49ers team, who's now 2 0, while the Rams are now 1 1. Jets, Cowboys. Jets coming off of the loss of Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Zach uh, Wilson comes in in a late special teams play, gets a victory for the Jets. They both come in 1 0 when we talk about the Jets and the Cowboys. This uh, second week would lead to a 30-10 Cowboys victory. Zach Wilson went 12-27, 170 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Dak Prescott played pretty well, 31-38, 255 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. C.D. Lamb added to his uh, repertoire with 11 receptions and 143 yards. Brees Hall was asked why they lost the game after the game, and you know he, he mentioned he only got four touches. Not sure how that's going to play out in the locker room, if that's going to be a spark. 
if he's going to get fed or if he's going to get put on the back burner as a result of it. I don't know how Salah gets down, but we will see. Uh, hopefully no turmoil coming out of the Jets. They got to stick together in a situation like this. We shall see what happens. Commanders at Broncos. Broncos find a way to lose again. 35-33. Commanders are now 2-0. Broncos are 0-2. It's the defense for the Broncos that looks horrible. The offense got together, put some points up. I think they'll be okay um, offense-wise. But if that defense continues to do what they do, it's going to be rough. Dolphins at Patriots. 24-17. Dolphins win. Quarterback play was pretty close. Two of 21 to 30. 249 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Mac Jones, on the other hand, 31 to 42, 231 yards, one touchdown, one INT. Mostert was pretty much the name of the game. 18 touches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. Miami is now 2 0. New England is 0-2, but I feel like they're a decent 0-2. Like, don't let the record fool you. It's not a gimme game. When these guys come into town, bring your A game. They just ran into some juggernauts. Um, we'll see what happens. That leads us into Monday night. Monday night was led by a dual uh, doubleheader. The Saints and Panthers kicked off a little early compared to the cart to to the uh, to the next game. Excuse me. Carr comes in, you know, gets another victory, 20-17. They are 0-2, but let me just say that his is... Oh, man. Let's read his stats first. 21-36, 228 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Zero touchdowns, one interception. That's still not indicative of how bad he, he played. You're still talking about balls being thrown in the ground. You're still talking about taking sacks, um, interceptions. It's just that he ran up against Bryce Young, and Bryce Young is looking fucking horrible, to be quite honest with you. Uh, 22-33. 22 completions on 33 attempts with 153 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. It's just bad, you know. For Bryce Young, he's lining up in the wrong place. Uh, running backs are having to push him into the proper position. You've seen last week it makes two identical interceptions, something you never want to see from your quarterback want to be able to build and learn and you know your experience leads to better play going forward that just hasn't shown lately um they were showing lots of you know visuals of his parents up in the box at the game <laughs> as this shit continued to go on and I don't, they weren't showing them so much i was asking you know we were watching the game i'm like hey show the parents again i want to see the faces now uh hey man i ain't trying to dogpile i'm just saying you gotta get together my guy it's it's uh it's going to be rough. There's, there's skill players over there. Maybe you need to uh, wait, build, and draft. But how much time are they going to give him? I, I would hate to see this guy get thrown to the to the wayside. But the, the gameplay thus far hasn't warranted him being in for too long. Um, Andy Dalton as a backup. You got to worry about that. He keeps coming in to run the ball. As soon as they let him do some passing plays, might be a change of guard. Going to be under a microscope, uh, Young. And going forward, you know. We'll see what you got to, what you got going on. Hopefully, you bring some good energy into the next game and bounce back. I ain't hating on you, you know what I mean? Rooting for you, actually, but we shall see. Saints are now 2-0 behind horrible quarterback play from Derek Carr and good defense. You know what I mean? I guess that's what people were talking about. Uh, Panthers are 0-2, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any easier for them. We shall see what happens, though. The second half of this uh, 
doubleheader for Monday night. Had the Browns and the Steelers matching up 26 to 22 Steelers victory. Again, it came down to the wire, which was one defensive touchdown. Go ahead, score from TJ Watt. Excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. Yes, TJ Watt. Proved to be the difference 26 to 22. Both teams are now 1 and 1. Not only was that defensive touchdown the difference in the deciding factor in that game, but uh, it was also a deciding factor in this week's high score for the unprofessionals. Fuck fantasy football. Weekly high score pot of $120. It went to sticks. You out in Vegas, I don't know how far 120 is going to stretch, but hey, it's always good to get a victory. My guy uh, came through. I think it was like 167 points. Very highly contested week. Everybody had a chance at it late. Um, bunch of high scores. But all in all, Sticks comes away with the victory. Clap it up one more time. I'm going to go through basically just the standings right now in this fantasy football league we got going on. Now, we'll go through the standings real quick. At 12, Niner Gang. At 11, is it Playa or Player? Uh, coming in at 10, Gen 7. Ninth place, Old Pretty Bastard. At 8th place, Cheese Grater. 7th place, Guru from the Dirty Dozen. 6th place, 49er Forever. In 5th place, Don Zay. 4th place, Ray Finkel. 3rd place, which is pretty impressive. My guy forgot about the draft. Uh, it auto-drafted, and he's still somehow in 3rd place, making moves on the waiver wire, getting shit done. Um, at 2, Easy Breezy. And then, you know... I ain't really hey, named my shit yet. Right now, it's I'll name this later. But um, you know, at at, at at number one, it's your boy. You know what I mean? One time, I'll name this shit later. But for now, you public enemy number one right now. Fuck that dash shit. Spit that hydro ghetto shit. That's that shit right there. Boom shall I feel? Throw your guns in the air. Socialize. Get down. Let your soul lead the way. Cause I'm that enemy. Hey man. Two weeks in a row, I feel like I'm right there, right? Right on the verge of getting this uh, first place in the high score shit, right? Did not happen. Um, haven't been able to make that happen, but in the, being in the running is definitely uh, encouraging. Currently 2-0 and in first place. That doesn't mean shit. September is way too early to be happy about some things, but hey, when there's, whenever there's some success, you know, celebrate that shit. It's uh, all good for now. This week I am going up against... Fuck. Oh, I'm going up against my guy Cheese Brother. We got a got a matchup this week. We're gonna see what happens. For now, though. I'm a Raiders fan, man. Let me have something. Fuck. Now, let's get into some picks. Again, these are off of the Elite 23 League picks that I'm making off of that uh, ESPN Pick Skin Pick'em game. 
Shout out to everybody in that. Currently, right now, I'm in fourth place. People are getting to it. Uh, we shall see how this all comes out. But uh, my week three picks go as follows. I have the five, 49ers winning over the Giants this Thursday night. Um, the Giants, you know, they just lost Saquon. That's going to play a part. Now it's going to be a former Niner, Matt Burrito, who's going to be leading the uh, the rushing. We'll see how that ends up panning out for them. Now to Sunday action. I got the Ravens over the Colts at home. Titans over the Broncos. Excuse me. Titans over the Browns. I'm going to go Lions over Falcons as well. Packers to win against the Saints. That one's up in the air. You know how I feel about Carr, though. Dolphins over the Broncos easily. I don't care how the offense plays. You're talking about the Dolphins. Um, they're doing their fucking thing this year right now. Um, Dolphins for sure. Vikings over the Chargers. Chargers are going to be 0-3. That's okay with me. Patriots over the Jets. I think this is the week they get it done. Uh, Bills over the Commanders. Don't need to say much about that. We got the Jaguars beating the Texans. Not sold on C.J. Stroud. And, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be upset. Seahawks over the Panthers. Bryce Young, you got to get it together, my guy. Geno Smith is going to be looking to uh, build off of last week's victory. I got the Chiefs over the Bears. There's just not enough going on right now offensively for Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, and the uh, Chicago Bears. And it's been a very slow opening to the seasons for Chiefs. They are bound to kick up at some point hopefully it's this week with Travis Kelsey we'll see Cowboys over the Cardinals I don't really respect the Cardinals game right now they keep giving them away the Cowboys are playing mistake three and and taking the ball away defense is very impressive Cowboys over there Raiders play their home opener hosting the Steelers although we looked like shit last week I do have the Raiders bouncing back and getting a victory here we opened up as underdogs now we are one and a half point favorites why so serious? Fuck it. I got the Raiders, though. Eagles over the Bucks Again, I hope I'm not disrespecting my guy, Baker Mayfield. I know that their defense got better with Chase Young returning. And, um, you know, it's kind of been rough sledding thus far for Jalen Hurts. He did have a good game last week, but that was a lot predicated on DeAndre Swift and what he was doing in the running back position. So uh, we'll see how that, you know, transitions over here with a different kind of uh, level of competition. And then Bengals over the Rams. I think the Bengals have to bounce back eventually. I know the Rams are uh, playing good ball right now. We just talked about them only losing by seven to the Niners. Only losing sounds crazy to say, but, you know, it's a highly fucking talented Niner team over there. They held their own. Bengals are struggling, but for some reason, I think they'll be able to get it done this week. Those are my picks for week three. Uh, Maybe, you know, when we do the next pod, I'll give y'all, like, a bet that I think y'all should make. Kind of been on point this year, but uh, knock on wood. All right, y'all. Till next time. Know that uh, episode 209 is on the way. Know that we're going to do Adding Elements episode 3 as well. as Patreon content coming very soon to the Patreon subscribers. So those of y'all who only listen to the pod and don't have social media, there are tumblers for sale right now. If you want to support Yomi, man, show out for the brand. 20-ounce tumblers insulated in this commercial sounds so corny. Holla at me, man. Hit me up. Let's make it happen. Fuck with y'all. You know what I mean? Till next time, I'm out.
Y'all, y'all, y'all finished or y'all done? I ain't got no more talking. 